0: Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton. And today I'm thrilled to have Amy Braswell from Paper Finch Design with us. Welcome, Amy. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you here. As I said, Amy is from Paper Finch Design, where she is the owner and designer. And if you haven't checked it out yet, you will definitely have to. Before I jump into the episode, I want you to know that everything that we talk about can be found in the show notes at thekimsutton.com forward slash pp1. Amy, thank you again for being here. Could you give the audience an idea of what you do and how you got to be the owner or how your journey was that you started Paper Finch Design?
1: Of course, yeah. At Paper Finch Design, I create inspirational and geographic art prints and home goods to help people tell their story. I like to work around my mantra, so to speak, mantra, however you pronounce it, is that quote by Helen Keller, that life is a daring adventure or nothing at all. So I like to help people celebrate their daring adventure of life. I do a lot of state and city prints so that people can celebrate where they're from or where they're going. I do a lot of adventure and positive quote art. I just try to keep things very celebratory Bright and happy. I've been doing that for about six years. I knew when I got serious with my now husband that I wanted some sort of job where I could work from home. And um, at the time, I was bartending, which was not a very—I don't know—healthy is the word I want to use—job for a new marriage, weird hours, and we were just on opposite schedules, so. I thought about what I really enjoyed doing, and luckily my husband at the time owned a—he's still my husband, but at the time—he owned a vacation rental website, and I got to start working with him on that. And doing some work one-on-one with the graphic designer, I realized I loved it. So I went back to school for a couple of years to kind of learn the software and the basics of design, and then right out of the gate, I started Paperfinch because I knew I wanted to own my own company and be able to work from home— and have a flexible schedule.
0: And then here we are six years later. Oh, I love that. If you could go back to, let's even say, 10 or 15 years, would you do anything different? Do you think you would start paper finch design earlier if you could?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I would love to be doing what I do now back then because I'd be so much farther along. And I look at designs I did five years ago and I cringe, of course. I would love to be even more polished, but at the same time, I wouldn't be where I am today if I wasn't where I was 10 years ago. I didn't know my husband 10 years ago. I wouldn't have my son. So. No. I mean, business-wise, it'd be awesome to be another few years ahead, but I like my life. So I think
0: I would have to say, no, I'd do it all exactly the same. I love that response. I actually saw on Facebook earlier this week, they posted a question. They said, in one hand, I have a blue pill that will take you back to when you were 10, having all the knowledge that you have now. And in the other hand, I have a red pill, which will fast forward to when you're 45. I realize that it doesn't apply to everybody because some people are already 45 and put $50 million in your bank account. So I asked my husband, which one would you do? Mm. And we both agreed that we would go back to when we were 10 years old and we would have a place that we would meet like 20 years earlier than we did. Oh, wow. But that's tough because then I think, well, we wouldn't have our son. Oh, I agree. We just agreed that we would make the kids that we would have had off of others <laughs> together. <Yeah. laughs> But you know, you're so right. How was your journey starting Paper Finch Design? Where did you get started and what obstacles did you overcome as you were building your business? That's
1: a funny question for me. Because my story is a little bit complicated, I guess. So settle back for a minute. (laughs) I will say right out of the gate, I got pretty lucky. I had the time to work on it, to build my own business. Luckily, I was in a two-income household. My husband was supportive. So I was able to kind of take the time and build my business. And I didn't have to do a day job and come home and work until one in the morning building Paper Finch. So I was very lucky in that respect. I just started designing and I started out doing Oh, gosh, not at all what I do now. I started out thinking I'm going to sell scrapbook, digital scrapbook supplies. So I would hand color and hand vectorize, which don't worry about that. I would take. <laughs> oh,
0: I, I would understand take, that. You would okay, okay. language. Oh, my gosh.
1: I would take old clip art and vectorize it and color it in and sell it for like a dollar. Because I'm thinking, oh, well, if 100 people buy it, that's $100 and I don't have to do anything. Well, I quickly learned that was not exactly the most profitable way to, to grow. So I started doing the wall art that I mostly do now. So business was actually going pretty well, and I was starting to make sales almost daily, which was huge. To get into my personal story a little bit, we got hit pretty hard with a lot of life things. So it's funny that you asked if I could go back 10 years and my answer about me being farther along in my business than I would be now. The growth from like year two to six has been kind of slow because we went through a bunch of infertility and it puts life in perspective and it slows your life down when you're having to focus emotionally and mentally on something that big, not to mention the time involved. I kind of came out of the gate really with a lot of momentum and then hit a little bit of a plateau. And now I feel like I'm on a growth pattern again. Was that rambly enough for
0: you? I tend to ramble. Oh, I ramble a ton. <laughs> oh, that, that was perfect. Okay. I don't know if you know, but in 2005 was actually when I started my own entrepreneurial journey and I was selling scrapbook supplies online on eBay. But I started by making handmade die cuts. Oh, gosh. And I greatly undercharged for them, like a (laughs) dollar for six. And these were die cuts that could have taken me two hours to make six. Right. Die cuts are time intensive. Yeah. Some of them had 13, 14 pieces that all had to be glued together for one Oh my gosh. So while I thought it was a great opportunity and I too could make a lot of money, I never thought about the fact that I'm selling six of these die cuts for a dollar that are taking two hours. And there was just no way to scale that. Right. Before we jumped into the recorded portion of our chat, We were talking about how you have a wholesale coach. I would love for you to share a little bit about that journey and what it means to your business and the joys, maybe joys is the wrong word, but the excitement that goes along with approaching the wholesale market. No,
1: joy is a good word as well as stress and tears. (laughs) So I've been doing wholesale for a couple of years, but very small batch wholesale. And I haven't been aggressively pursuing it it's just kind of been stores who've reached out to me and said, Hey, are you interested in wholesale? And I, had to quickly throw together numbers and terms and whatnot. So having told myself that this is the year, I'm gonna really buckle down and it's kind of I mentioned the infertility. This is kind of the first year we don't have infertility going on, a move going on, all kinds of stuff. So this is the year. So I hired a wholesale coach and she is amazing. Her name is Carolyn Keating. Little shout out to Carolyn. And she helps me get focused. She's a former sales rep and buyer for large multi million dollar companies. So she's been out there in the world doing it. And now she coaches small business owners. And I'm such a rule follower that it really helps me to hear like, this is how it's usually done. This is how you do it. Because it's scary to go sell yourself. You know, it's one thing to put your work on Etsy and kind of hide in your office and be like, I hope someone buys this. It's another to write someone and say, hey, my stuff is great. You need to put it in your store. And that is so awkward for me, which is most of the stress of wholesale is just putting yourself out there it's like dating. It's really intimidating. But She's been awesome, and we're just kind of in the middle of the meat of it to really kind of overhaul my wholesale line, and it's a whole different world than retail. So it's been interesting to just learn working with buyers and corporations instead of one-on-one with the customers, which I never want to give up. I never want to stop doing retail because I really do love working with my customers one-on-one, but it's just a whole other facet to my business, and it's fun to always be learning and growing.
0: And you're working on your brand-new website. Yes, I would love to chat a little bit, though, about the wholesale process, because I'm wondering what systems you're setting up to make sure that you're not taking on more than you can handle, because I can hear listeners out there thinking, wow, that's so exciting. But there's so many ways that you need to protect yourself. How are you making sure that you're not getting too many orders?
1: Right now, I, that hasn't been a problem, but hopefully it will be soon. I am doing a lot of research into product fulfillment. In fact, I mentioned earlier, I offer art prints and like home goods. All my home goods go through manufacturers, so that's nice. I All the designs, of the designing is done by me, but then I will have a manufacturer put it on pillows, put it on mugs, put it on a canvas print. So they handle the manufacturing side of that. At this point, I'm still doing all my own art prints in my own studio, but I got my eye on the prize. So I'm looking into like what you said, what will happen when I start getting so many wholesale orders that I can't keep up. And so I've got some systems in place and some ideas of what I'll do I think I'm probably going to offer two choices and have different price points, and one would be larger batch kind of poster printing, and the other one, okay, I'll hand produce them in my studio, but it's going to be a little bit more money, so it'll kind of keep the numbers in check. Oh my gosh, did you hear that?
0: Was that a dog? Oh, that's the dog, but there was just a big cat fight in the background (laughs) when you were talking. Oh, I didn't hear it at all. That's fabulous. Awesome. I am so sorry, Amy. This is, I've never had the blooper reel hit three times.
1: Oh, this is right up my alley. I love making the (laughs) blooper reel. It takes the pressure off. I can just be myself and be goofy and dorky like I am, so
0: pressure's off. You just took a huge stress off of me for you because looking back at when I had my scrapbooking store, I dreamt of the day that I could get these little die cuts into one of the local scrapbooking stores but I wasn't really thinking about it you know how am I going to produce thousands of these right. so I'm so glad to hear that it is not all going through your hands because I could imagine you having like an assembly line and staying up all night and but with that said is there a typical day I should ask in the day of amy so that you stay focused and productive without getting burnt out
1: yes more or less i have been trying Before my son came along, it was very haphazard. And I think it kind of showed in my productivity and in my growth. And once you have kids, it changes everything. I was never a schedule person, but I've become a bit of a schedule person. So now I really do try to stick to Monday through Friday, quote unquote, regular working hours. And I try to limit my weekends to spend time with him. I've really been good at going unplugged on the weekends. But I try to do a bit of batch work. So I'll sit down and say, okay, for two hours, I'm going to work on files or work on mock-ups or do social media. I try to keep it in batches because I have learned that if I don't tune out everything else and focus on one task, it's very much I get the squirrel moments, which my husband makes fun of me for. I get a little distracted. So that being said, in the life of a small business owner, you're constantly scheduling calls or meetings or something comes up that's a you got to put out a fire. So I have structure with a lot of flexibility. And I just told my husband last night that I don't know what it is when my to do list is the longest is when creativity always strikes. So I have to pause and I've learned to strike when the iron's hot with design inspiration because sometimes I'll go a long time with nothing new in my head. So when something jumps in, I have to immediately get it down on quote unquote paper. Everything I do is digital so that I can at least go back and reference it later when I have the time to fully flesh it out. So I try to give myself a schedule, but give myself lots of grace and wiggle room within that schedule for creativity or putting out fires.
0: If I were to give you a white sheet of paper right now, what would happen to it?
1: Probably a to-do list. (laughs) Yeah, probably my to-do list or maybe some doodling. I have to say, though, I don't sketch too often. I found myself doing it the other day and it was a nice release. But honestly, I would probably end up writing my to-do list, which is sad. As an artist, that makes me sad, but that
0: honestly, that's probably what I would do. Oh, no, I don't think so. The first thing that my 14-year-old does when he gets home from school is he brings the mail in. And for some reason, it just always gets dropped on my desk. Mm -hmm. But I found that the backs of envelopes, I hardly look at the mail, isn't that bad? But I use the backs of the envelopes for lists and notes and that is so not at all productive because I sometimes see envelopes disappear before I right. can do anything. But white paper usually equates note or to-do list. I Have feel you- like
1: as an artist, I should say, oh, I would sketch,
0: but I probably would not. Where do you get most of your new ideas?
1: Gosh, it's usually off of something I've seen. I'm very visual, which I guess would seem obvious. So it might be a color palette I saw somewhere or a font I really liked. And I'll just go off of that. And like I said, I don't really sketch, but I kind of sketch on the computer, which is nice because if you don't like what you can do, it's just Command Z and it's gone. So I might pull up a font or a phrase and then I just start playing around with it and I see what visually sticks and I can be kind of impulsive. So sometimes I'll release a design and then a couple months later, change it and re-release it because I realized a way I could make it better. I don't sit on it and wait till it's absolutely perfect, which I maybe should, but that's just not my style. But when I'm feeling kind of stuck creatively, I usually go somewhere. I've found that I get sick of working at my house in my studio So I'll go to a coffee shop or a park or something and I'll see, I'll hear like a snippet of conversation or I'll see someone's outfit or get a dose of sunshine and vitamin D. That always helps me.
0: I have been seeing the expression wanderlust all over lately, including on your podcast form. And I'm wondering if you could explain it to me and to any listeners who might not quite understand what it means.
1: And I don't know if there's like a true definition, but mine is just that urge to get outside and explore life. I know for travel companies and travel bloggers, it's all about the urge to travel and see the world. But I think it can also, you can have wanderlust in your own town too. It's just kind of that desire to get out, really explore the world, look around, experience life, learn new things, see new places. And it's
0: just that drive to keep exploring. I find wanderlust. I know this isn't at all what it means, but I find a problem when I go to font websites. Do you find that you get stuck if you're visiting De font or font squirrel? Does it draw you in forever?
1: Oh, yes. I go down the font uh, rabbit hole, and I'm a sucker for buying new fonts. I have so many on my computer, and I keep meaning to go and organize them so I can find them again but I can definitely go down the font rabbit hole very easily.
0: What is one tool that you use on a daily basis that you would absolutely not want to go without? Oh I have so many I mean obviously
1: my Adobe suite because that's how I do all my work but one tool that I've discovered recently that I love and can't live without now is called Wonderlist. it is an app so I can access it on my phone or my computer and it's just like a list making app but it's so easy to use and it's shareable for instance I have one list that's grocery. And my husband and I can share it. So if somebody stops by the grocery store, you can see what the current list is, even if someone just added bread five minutes ago. And you can sort it into all these different categories. So I have one for personal and one for work. And we even keep one that's like movies to watch. If we hear a good movie, we just keep a little list so that when Friday night rolls around and we say, let's run a movie. Oh, what should we watch? We can pull up our list and pick one out. But when you check off, you can set timers and you can attach files and you can comment on it. It's just so user-friendly and has become such an important day-to-day thing in our household. And then you get this satisfying little ding when you check something off, which is always nice.
0: That is awesome. I have heard of it before, but I've never used it. So I'm I love it. I have to check that out. My husband, God love him. He cannot remember the grocery list. He'll buy <laughs> everything but what's on the list. Mm-hmm. And
1: yeah. you can attach a picture that's like, this is the brand I want. Look for this brand. So it's
0: awesome. No, we're definitely going to have to use this. Yeah. Have you heard of Forest? forest app? I have not. It's a way to stay on focus for blocks of time and you can set your time. Mm -hmm. So I use it for about 25 minutes. And while you are staying focused, it grows a tree. And at the end of the 25 minutes, you basically started a forest and you can share your trees with other people. But it's really gamifying productivity and I love it. That sounds amazing and like something I need. You can get it on your computer. I know it's available for Chrome, and I also have it on my iPhone. All you listeners, I will put it into the show notes, which, again, you can find it at thekimsutton.com forward slash pp118. Yeah, Forest is awesome. And also Focus is available on the Mac, and Focus at Will is another great productivity app or website that I found that will play music for set periods of time and when your focus time is done it will ding that's fantastic yeah but forest will actually you can blacklist websites that you know you're not supposed to be on during that 25 minute focus time and that's my problem (laughs) yeah go over to one of those sites it actually has a transparent black overlay over it and says are you sure you really want to be here and quickly drives me back to what i was supposed to be doing
1: I'm definitely downloading that as soon as we're done because that sounds like something I need in my life for sure.
0: I would love to know, and for any husbands with entrepreneurial wives that are out there, I would love to know the one thing that your husband does best in supporting you while you're building your business.
1: Well, he is an entrepreneur himself. In fact, I think that's where I got the idea. I mentioned earlier that he used to own a vacation rental website and his day job, he works for himself as a software developer. That's a tough call. I'm tempted to say he provides inspiration because I know it can be done and he understands how the, the ebb and flow of owning your own business, how sometimes things are slow and then sometimes you have to put in some evening hours. So yeah, inspiration and understanding, just understanding the lifestyle is probably the biggest thing that Have he Have you provides. ever
0: collaborated on any projects?
1: Not really, because he is not creative at all. But (laughs) that being said, he actually kind of inadvertently gave me the idea for one of my best-selling designs, so I do credit him for that. I say, thank you, honey. This one has been a great seller, and you came up with it. And then he has been active kind of on the research end of my wholesale journey, which is good. He loves researching, so if he offers to help, I try to put him on tasks like that. Okay, research this, or research the best price point for a mug printer for me, please. He's been very helpful with that.
0: When we started the business, and I say we because it really was going to be the two of us, my husband was going to be part of it, but we quickly realized it just wasn't where his passion was. And he had other passions and it would be better if he focused there. Mm -hmm. So he is chief emotional support. Yes.
1: (laughs) I say my husband is my CFO as well because he helps me keep my numbers in check.
0: So you are on Etsy right now. Do you have any words of wisdom for people who are considering starting an Etsy shop?
1: My first instinct would be to say that it takes a little time. Don't expect success overnight. Etsy is amazing at bringing in traffic, but it does have its own little set of SEO tips and tricks. Do a lot of reading, go to the forums. There's a lot of helpful advice in the forums and plug away. And you should see Etsy can be a bit formulaic. And as long as your product and photography are good, I think
0: you'll start to see sales. You've just got to put in the time. What marketing methods have worked best for you as you've been growing? Hmm.
1: That one apparently threw me for a loop because I just lost all the
0: thoughts in my head. That happens to me eight times a day.
1: Right? (laughs) Social media has been really good lately. For a long time, I concentrated. I put all my eggs in the Etsy basket. So my main marketing was just getting on Etsy, getting in the forums, talking to other sellers. Teams were a little more active back then. Etsy's changed a bit in the last few years. So I've had to kind of readjust my marketing, which is, I find to be a blessing because it's reminded me not to put all your eggs in one basket. So I've been busy diversifying Paper Finch the last couple of years. So social media has been really big. I just started a little micro blog on Instagram where, out every four days, I find a gorgeous photo of somewhere around the world, and then I write a little travel blog about it. And that's been awesome for engagement and just kind of getting the word out about Paperfinch without having to actually travel the world and take all this gorgeous photography, which, let's be honest, would not be a bad gig. And then I'm pretty active locally too and in some Facebook business groups. So I think that just kind of helps
0: spread. Awareness about the Paper Finch brand. You're starting to do some coaching or consulting now as well, right? I am. Mm-hmm. What type of coaching and consulting are you doing?
1: I work with small business owners in the creative space and I help them look at scaling their business and kind of get the steps in place to be ready to start scaling. And I help small business owners look at their content with new eyes and I help them figure out how to repurpose old content in order to save time and basically scale. I mean, that's what scaling is, you know, to be able to produce more
0: with less work. Do you have a favorite tool for repurposing content?
1: It depends on the career, the medium that the creative person is using, whether they're a photographer, a stylist, a designer. I have kind of a checklist that I use with them. And I just say, okay, you maybe wrote a blog post. Have you done this and this and this and this? Have you talked about it here? Have you turned each image into different Instagram posts? I guess my most consistent tool then would be that checklist or a second set of eyes can help so much. And that's what I try to be for people because sometimes you just get so locked into your own brand and your own habits and patterns that you don't realize, oh, wait, I could take this that I've already done and do this with it. And the work's already done. And that would be another income stream for me.
0: Oh, my gosh. I hear that. I get so close to what I'm working on that I just don't see the obvious sometimes. Mm-hmm. To the point that my wireless mouse will not be functioning properly and I won't even think about changing the batteries. Positive productivity does not always mean perfection or total productivity. I just need to buy a box of batteries and keep it right on my desk. <laughs>
1: So I think redes- you're absolutely right, though, that positive productivity does not mean perfection.
0: Oh, no, absolutely not. You are working on your web redesign. What has that journey looked like to you?
1: It's been so much fun for years would send people to my Etsy shop because I was just kind of embarrassed at my website as a designer. I didn't think it was very pretty and it was a little clunky and God bless him. My husband built it. He's not a web designer. I really appreciate him putting in the time and I was probably being annoying. Change this. No, do this. But he's not a web developer. And as my inventory grew, it just got kind of overwhelmed. I wasn't on the right platform or had the right setup. So I hired a designer to do my website. And it's just been so much fun. She's got such a good creative eye and we're actually good friends. I made friends with her as a business colleague first and we've become friends. So I just, I knew her work ethic and her talent. And it's just been so much fun to take what I know my brand could be and put it on a website. And it's been interesting to learn like, okay, there are some systems I should have put in place way back when to make it a little bit easier to keep up with my inventory. And so I've had to kind of go back and redo a few things. So it's been eye-opening, but it's just been so much fun and I can't wait till it goes live.
0: Amy, did you ever struggle with not charging enough for what you were selling and how did you get over that, if so?
1: Oh, absolutely. I struggled big time with imposter syndrome, where I just thought, oh, no one's going to pay for this. I'm a fraud. And someday somebody's going to discover that this is so easy and I don't know what I'm doing. And so I would weigh under charge, especially for custom work. In the beginning would do anything and everything somebody asked me to do just to get a sale under my belt and just to make a little money. It took me a few years, which I feel like is probably longer than a lot of small business owners to realize a few things. One was that I didn't have to take every job that came my way, that it actually was more important to pay attention to what was on brand because sticking to work that was on brand would actually strengthen my brand and enabled me to charge more down the road. Saying yes to everything and anything really watered down my brand. So people didn't know who I was or what I could do. So I would just keep getting those same people going, okay, well, I noticed you're a designer. Can you do this for me? Instead of, hey, I like what you've already done. Let me pay you for it which is really the better business model in the end. And I also finally came to terms. I have a hard time describing this without sounding conceited, and I don't mean to. I think this is something that applies to any type of person, creatively, professionally, scientifically. If something seems so easy to you, it's probably because you're just good at it, and it might seem really hard to someone else. I have to hope that if someone's doing brain surgery on me, they at least somewhat think it's easy. I finally came to the, I'm not comparing myself to a brain surgeon by any means. I tend to over-exaggerate my comparisons <laughs> to make my point. My best sellers are my Skylines, Skyline designs that I hand draw. And I, for years would say, this is so easy. Somebody's going to start doing this and charging less and everyone's going to go over here and buy their stuff. Well, there's plenty of other Skyline art and home decor out there, but I found it easy because I had put in the time. I had learned the skill and I had practiced at it. My average customer couldn't sit down at the computer and draw a skyline from scratch. And I finally embraced that. And it was able to, A, give me confidence, which is just always a good thing to have and be a little bit more positive about my brand, but also charge a little bit more. I realized my value and my worth and I still struggle with it. I mean, I talked earlier about how awkward it is for me to sell myself to wholesale shops or vendors. And I have the sales on Etsy to prove it that people want to buy my work daily. I still struggle with it. And I constantly think about adjusting my numbers. Is the
0: customer <laughs> I... always right, Amy?
1: No, not at all. I do pride myself in my customer service. So I will go to great lengths to make someone happy. But I don't think the customer is always right. I will tell people no. If somebody sends me another design, like from a different designer and says, can you do this? I will say no, because I'm not copying someone else's work. Or can you use this logo? No, because that's illegal. I mean, that's just the first thing that came to mind is I won't compromise another designer's work. I won't break the law. I'm getting better at not letting customers take advantage of me. Kindness goes a long way. If someone's nice, I will bend over backwards. I'm working with a bride right now that I went above and beyond what I normally would do for an invitation. And that's fine, because she's awesome and funny and was very nice to me. And a little bit of that goes a long way. But the customer While they have a lot of power and control And I want them to be happy They're not always right And they're never right when they demean you Which luckily I have not encountered very often at all In six years My customers have been amazing But I've, I've heard some horror stories
0: I've had horror stories I'm sure Yeah When you are looking to get into creative mode What's the first song you will put on?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. Right now, I have a whole Spotify playlist that's called Feel Good, and I play it when I need to get jazzed up. When I'm deep in work mode, I tend to do acoustic, chill, But when I really need a spark, I will play a lot of 80s or old school rap. But right now, my very favorite song for some reason is Geronimo
0: by I could totally forget who sings it. It's a song. It's about a year old. Amy, I can't remember singers names for the life of me. So listeners, we will put it into the show notes for you. (laughs) It's.
1: Shepard. I just did a little quick Google Geronimo by Shepard. For some reason, that song just really gets me happy. That's been my go to lately. And I get obsessive over songs. I'll obsess over one for months and then it'll suddenly switch and it'll be another one. So you have a son
0: who is almost two. Do you ever get Disney songs stuck in your head? We're
1: not in it too much right now right now his favorite is I'm a little teapot so I have to sing I'm a little teapot 87 times a day he's big into Elmo so I get Elmo's world stuck in my head but Mm -hmm. we do live within driving distance to Disney and we've been a bunch so I'm fully prepared and accepting to have the Disney songs start coming at me because I'm okay I'm a Disney fan I think he's into Elmo because it's tiny little 10-minute episodes, and that's all his little hyperactive mind can even handle. We don't even usually make it through one of those, which is good. I don't have to do the screen time battle because he could care less. Yeah, Wheels on the Bus and the I'm a Little
0: Teapot are big hits around this house right now. I have to share, and I don't like to push my husband's buttons. I will do everything not to. But if I want to, for any reason, all I have to do is start singing, This is the Song That Never Ends. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if that one strikes a chord and I'm sorry listeners if it's stuck in your head now Oh, I call yeah. that an earworm
1: where you hear it and you're like oh no now yep. I'm done that one has not made its way to our house but I know the song you're talking about I know my husband well enough to know it would take me about three cycles of it before he would give me the look and be like stop quit it
0: yeah all I have <laughs> to do is sing the first two chords which is bad news anyway for me to be singing. And that's it. Amy, where can listeners find you online? They can find me on paperfinch.com,
1: P A P E R F I N C H, Finch Like the Bird, or um, Paperfinch Design on Etsy. I'm also on Handmade at Amazon, kind of working on growing that site. I'm in a handful of shops around the country, but I'm not going to list all that out. It's on my website, the different retailers you can find me in, different brick and mortars.
0: Fabulous. Thank you so much for being here today, Amy. It's been a pleasure. It's been so much fun. Thank you. Hey there. This is Kim Sutton, host of the Positive Productivity Podcast, and I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode if you enjoyed it and were inspired, I would love to hear your feedback. Please take a moment or two and visit the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or on my website at TheKimSutton.com to leave your rating or review. I'd also like to invite you to join the Positive Productivity Book Club and to find out more about my coaching packages by visiting TheKimSutton.com. Until the next episode, I hope you have a positive and productive day.